You're tuned to WFHB. Volunteer-powered, listener-supported, Community Radio for South Central Indiana. Good afternoon. Reporting remotely for WFHB, this is Benedict Jones. And I'm Todd Wicks. This is the WFHB Local News for Tuesday, October 5th, 2021. Later in the program, we have the latest edition of A Few Minutes with the Mayor, a weekly interview with Bloomington Mayor John Hamilton on community issues. Noel Herhusky Schneider has more in the bottom half of tonight's show. Also coming up in the next half hour, in order to qualify for many college scholarships, students need to file what is called the Pre-Application for Federal Student Aid or FAFSA, FAFSA. More in the top half of the show. But first, your daily headlines. Hello, this is the local news anchor, Todd Wicks. Before the pandemic, I used to anchor the news every week. For 15 months, I was unable to contribute due to the COVID-19 pandemic. Now, vaccinated volunteers are allowed back into the building, and I am able to start anchoring the news once again. But WFHB needs your support in order to keep the news department alive and well. Please visit WFHB.org to make a secure one-time donation of $120 or make a $10 monthly donation to help us fundraise throughout the year. You can also call the station at 812-323-1200 to make a donation over the phone. Thank you for your time, and thank you for supporting WFHB Community Radio. Last Friday, the free application for Federal Student Aid, or FAFSA, opened for those attending college next school year. Allison Keir, Communications and Public Relations Manager for Indiana Commission for Higher Education, says students can access the $390 million worth in financial aid and billions of dollars in federal aid. So there's a lot of money on the table that students can take advantage of. Really, anyone who is interested in pursuing higher education for a variety of degree types, not just your associate or your bachelor's degrees, but also short-term certificates and even higher than a bachelor's degree, you should file a FAFSA. Many colleges require a FAFSA to be filled out in order to qualify for both merit and need-based scholarships. This includes the Frank O'Bannon Grant and the Next Level Jobs Workforce Ready Grant. Kier describes each of these two grants and explains who is eligible. Let's talk about the Frank O'Bannon Grant. So that is available to any um, it's based off of financial needs, so that is determined from, again, fi- filling out the FAFSA. You do have to be an Indiana resident. You also um, have to be going to an in-state college or university um, and being a uh, full-time student as well. So, um, again, eligibility for that program is based off of financial needs, so that's a need-based um, grant. And unlike a loan, um, a grant is something that if you qualify for, you do not have to pay back. So that's important to note. Um, the Next Level Jobs Workforce Ready Grant, that is available to individuals who have a high school diploma, but do not have a 
a higher education degree. And what that does, it provides um, full tuition and even covers some um, some fees as well for any of Indiana's high growth fields. And so those fields are um, advanced manufacturing, building and construction, health and life sciences, IT and business services, and transportation and logistics. Um, again, to be eligible for that, you do have to have a FAFSA on file. But um, again, it, it's something that it is a grant. You do not have to pay back, and it completely covers that tuition. So it's a it's a really great opportunity to skill up and to get a certificate in a high growth, high demand field. Kier encouraged students to fill out a FAFSA even if they don't think they're eligible for financial aid. And there are some community, some merit-based, some institutional scholarships that require you having a current FAFSA on file. So even if you don't think that you're going to get need-based aid, still fill it out because it opens the door um, for many other scholarships that you could be eligible for, but you just have to have that FAFSA on file in order to apply. She walked through the process of filing a FAFSA and went through the documents you will need when filing. Yeah, so preparation is key to make your uh, FAFSA filing process go as smooth as possible. Um, So you want to get a couple of things in place before you actually go to the website to file. So one of the first things that you need is an FSA ID. You can fill that out. It's the Federal Student Aid ID. Um, if you don't have one of those, you can go to um, FAFSA.gov, and that will allow you to create that. Um, but once you have that, you should get a list of schools together that you are interested in applying to. Um, because you're able to send your FAFSA information to those schools, um, one of the questions it asks what schools you want um, to send your info to, and you can just plug those in. You also need a social security number or the alien registration number if you're not a U.S. citizen. Then you need all of your financial information, so federal income tax returns, W-2s, and other records of money. And all of this is from 2020. So that's another thing to um, to remember. So you've got your W-2 and all of that from 2020. Um, you also need bank statements and records of investments, if applicable, as well as records of untaxed income if that's applicable as well. So once you have all of that information ready, you can go to FAFSA.gov and you'll be able to walk through that process. Indiana residents will need to file a FAFSA by April 15th, 2022. At the October 1st COVID-19 press conference, Health Director Penny Cottle urged women who are pregnant or have recently given birth to get the COVID-19 vaccine. There is a growing concern for pregnant women who are unvaccinated and the risk to them and the pregnancy. The data shows that the benefit of vaccination of pregnant, recently pregnant, and women seeking pregnancy far outweigh the risks of vaccines. So please, if you have been waiting, now is the time to be vaccinated. Talk to your provider, get your questions answered, and vaccinate so that you can reduce your risks. She shared that Monroe County is still in the orange advisory category, but that we should be headed in the right direction toward the yellow advisory category 
if residents continue to follow the mask mandate and get vaccinated. Cottle also explained how to get to the new gravity testing center and how to sign up. In terms of testing, the Indiana Department of Health and Gravity site remains open Tuesday through Saturdays, 8 to 4 p.m. It is located at 500 North Profile Parkway. That is Cook property. So if you are on the map and you're looking, you, the initial thing that you will see says Cook. And then as you drill down, you will see that it is the gravity site. It is a drive-through clinic at this time. They will accept walk-ins. Just be very careful. They've got a system for that if, if that is needed. Uh, you can register on the site. You don't have to register online. And results are back the next day by 5 p.m. Co-chair of Indiana University's Bloomington COVID Response Unit, Kirk White informed individuals who are planning on attending the basketball season kickoff that masks will be necessary. Hoosier hysteria is Saturday prior to uh, our away football game, but uh, the basketball game will uh, be at 4 o'clock on uh, Saturday tomorrow. And uh, the reason I bring it up uh, is due to the uh, success we've had with the indoor mask uh, mandate, uh, uh, the spectators inside Assembly Hall will be expected to have masks on. So bring your mask mask as you're coming to uh, Assembly Hall for uh, Hoosier Hysteria. Journalist Dave Askins asked the mayor if the outdoor street closures on Kirkwood will continue. Yeah, I think that will be considered. Uh, as you probably know, I think I've said, the city works very closely with Downtown Bloomington, Inc. and the establishments themselves to see if their interest. Uh, there's no reason to close a street if it won't be used, uh, but we'll be continuing to discuss and and uh, people will be voting with their feet, I guess. Uh, I was actually on Kirk last night. It was busy and lots of people enjoying the beautiful weather. Uh, we will be uh, working to figure out what's the best uh, way to keep people enjoying safer entertainment. It will depend upon work with the establishments. The next COVID-19 press conference will be held on October 8th. Up next, we have the latest edition of A Few Minutes with the Mayor, a weekly interview with Bloomington Mayor John Hamilton on community issues. In today's episode, Assistant News Director Noelle Herhusky schneider asks Mayor Hamilton about what the latest redistricting maps will mean for the city of Bloomington and more. We turn to Herhusky schneider for that interview. members and volunteers here at WFHB post questions for the mayor and we ask him for you. So thanks for listening. Here we go. Shall we begin? Let's do. Thanks. All right. 
So Indiana Governor Eric Holcomb just signed the new redistricting maps. Do these new maps impact the city of Bloomington at all? And if so, how much? Well, they do affect the city of Bloomington. And um, of course, we're disappointed that the census, uh, which led to these maps, we feel was really inaccurate. It doesn't kind of pass the straight face test. So that's one problem is that it it reduced our numbers in the, in the official U.S. census. And then I'm very disappointed that, again, we have a hyper-political uh, line-drawing effort uh, led by uh, the Republican Party, which has a supermajority, um, and they're doing all that they can to keep it. So they're packing and cracking and all the kind of different tricks of, uh, of legislative maps. I wish they would do what we're doing in Bloomington and Monroe County, which is to have a nonpartisan, non-political uh, uh, drawing of the boundaries and the maps for our own districts. And it's unfortunate the state doesn't do that. Mm-hmm. It really is infuriating. And I don't think I was aware that we did it nonpartisan here. We just passed a law. The city council did an ordinance, and I believe the county has followed suit to um, to create a committee that will be uh, uh, non-elected officials who will draw the lines and and you know do it in the in a most sensible way rather than in a really partisan way. So the state legislative map is going to try to pack like-minded voters together where they can and to crack open uh, into districts that they can win others. So you end up with a supermajority, even though the voting totals don't lend themselves to that. And so Bloomington gets a very highly concentrated Democratic district in the House in the middle of our city, but then they split up the rest of it into three or four different areas to try to spread out the Democratic voters and put them in districts that'll be difficult for Democrats to win. So we'll have to compete. I'm speaking as a Democrat, but I'll tell you as a mayor, it's frustrating to have these kind of these uh, these boundaries drawn in such a hyper-partisan way. Mm-hmm. It should already be a law everywhere <laughs> that it should be nonpartisan and for the sake of creating districts rather than political gain. Well, and that's one of the things the federal government is trying to do, and I hope they do get done, which is to require uh, nonpartisan boundary drawing for congressional seats. And, um, you know, it it could be the same for Senate and House seats. It it, it would even be a simple, the simple concept, if we have 50 senators and we have 100 representatives, why don't we make every Senate district equal to House districts so that they're concurrent, um, but can't even even do that? And I, this is a slightly more personal question, um, but not not too. But if it is, I don't know. You can say. <laughs> um, so I did a splash of research, and I saw that you went to IU School of Law. Uh, and I was wondering if that influences how you view the relationship between Indiana University and the city of Bloomington. <laughs> well, I'm I'm a I am an alum alum of uh, Indiana University, and I'm very proud of that university. Um, as the mayor, I certainly care a lot about what happens with IU. Uh, I, you know, it, it affects my my sports uh, cheering, for sure. Uh, and, but, you know, even if I weren't an IU graduate, as, as Mayor Bloomington, I work very closely with Indiana University. We meet frequently and, and uh, uh, work together on lots of things. But, you know, it's, it's, it's easier when I'm wearing cream and crimson than if I showed up wearing black and gold or something. That would be, oh, yeah. That would be kind of awkward. No, it would, it would be more than awkward. It would be unfortunate. 
I know as a student here, I feel like it is super well integrated, but they're they're still they're still very separate. And I I feel like both stand to gain so much from each other, but there's such strong boundaries. Well, you're you know, the the town gown uh relationships obviously important. Uh, you're right, there's a difference between the university and the city. Uh, but we've grown up together. We're we're only two the two years older sibling. The city was two years founded before the the university was. And you know, an example of uh, a student volunteering and active in WFHB is a great example of bridging the town gown divide. And we have so many students who do so much in the community, uh, and of course, so many community members who are so uh, formally or informally related to IU. So it's a it's a really strong and thick and and uh, rich relationship, I would say. Mm-hmm. I'd agree. Since the start of your education and then entering the quote-unquote real world um, of jobs and policymaking up until now, have any of your ideals and priorities shifted over the years? Hmm. Well, uh, that's a that's a good question. Um, I think I've become more and more focused on a couple things uh, through through my career, though they've been, I'd say, consistent. I've always wanted to try to help help my community or my country or my world uh, get a little better each day. Uh, I do think the attention to economic inequality and, and trying to make sure everybody has a fair shot and a good chance at life to be who they want to be has become more and more important. Um, through my lifetime, we've seen a pretty bad um, a, a worsening of the income inequality in the country. And then secondly, I think while I've been pretty involved in environmental issues for my career, uh, including helping at the state level run the environmental department, I, I think the pressing uh, crisis of climate change and the critical importance of responsibly um, Evolving our communities, our country, our economy uh, to to take care of of our earth has become more and more tangible and visible. But but you know those are those are things that have developed over my during my career, and I've uh, I'm working really hard with our community on on both of those in ways right now. And we've tossed around the word community a lot during this conversation, which brings me to my final question. So it is. WFHB's fun drive this week. Woohoo! Okay. Um, and I was wondering if you would be willing to touch on what public radio means for this community. Well, uh, my wife Dawn and I are proud, longtime supporters and members of WFHB. We love community powered uh, community radio, community volunteers. Um, FHB has been uh, wonderful asset to this community, bringing new perspectives and new music and new ideas and new uh, avenues for people and shows to to let our community speak and let our community talk with each other. So I'm a big fan. We're big fans and uh, hope you have many, many decades to come too. Thanks for listening. If you have questions for the mayor for next week, please email them to news at wfhb.org.
Good evening, good people. This is Todd, and I read the local news on Tuesdays at 5 o'clock p.m., along with Benedict Jones. We've got a great group of volunteers who do much of the programming and outreach to our great community, and I am proud to be a part of the crew. WFHB is the community radio station for the greater Bloomington area, and we are deeply committed to serving all of our listening audience with a large variety of music programs, hosted by DJs who have a depth of knowledge to entertain our listeners. In addition to fantastic music, we also provide a broad range of public affairs programs such as Ola Bloomington, Counterspin, Democracy Now!, and our popular and locally produced program highlighting local ecological issues, Eco Report. But WFHB needs your support in order to keep the news department alive and well please visit wfhb.org to make a secure one-time donation of $120 or make a $10 monthly donation to help us fundraise throughout the year. You can also call the station at 812-323-1200 to make a donation over the phone. Thank you for your time and thank you for supporting WFHB Community Radio. Up next, WFHB News Director Kate Young speaks with WFHB correspondent Nathaniel Weinzapfel about the importance of community radio in light of our fall fund drive. We turn to Young for more. So, Nathaniel, you've been doing some environmental reporting for a couple of months now. And so far, how would you rate your volunteer experience? It has been so much fun. I've been able to interview many cool people and learn new themes in a way that I never thought possible. You know, it's one thing to read about stuff on Wikipedia or through some article online, but it's such a special and unique thing to be able to interview the people that these sources are based on. I've really enjoyed getting to know the people at WFHB as well, and I can feel the passion for community and radio that flows throughout the volunteers here. Well, thank you for that, Nathaniel. We really appreciate it. Um, Now, so far, you've worked on environmental news briefs and two news features. Um, Of all the stories you've worked on, what has been your favorite and why? That's a very difficult question. Uh, I guess to begin, I I know it's cheesy, but I don't cover a story unless there's something new to be learned or there's like some kind of interesting direction the story could go in. So in a way, all the stories I've covered have been my favorite. However, if I have to choose, I would go with my first story about the Indiana Senate Bill 389 in the wetlands. Being able to talk to both the the executive director of a nearby wetland and speak to an IU professor has allowed me to understand the multiple proponents and opponents of the bill and be able to craft a featured story that I believe is both informative and really interesting to hear. It was also my first story, so for that reason, it is special to me. You know, great words, Nathaniel. And and for your first story, that was that was an amazing job. You, you got to spend a couple of weeks on it and really, really do it a justice. Now, lastly, Nathaniel, I wanted to ask you, um, just in general, what does community radio mean to you? Community radio means being accountable to the community. 
We work for the listeners. They are our bosses. We want to be the tool that is used to connect and create bonds between people in the community. This can be done through the use of stories and learning, as well as through music. Without community radio, I believe we lose a part of our identity. Well said, Nathaniel. Well, folks, this week is our fall fun drive. And if you enjoy the vast array of environmental coverage we offer on WFHB, you should consider making a donation to help support our vision of bringing you more coverage on this defining issue. So please log on to WFHB.org and make a one-time donation of $120 to help fund more environmental news coverage. Or you can set up a monthly reoccurring $10 donation to help us fundraise throughout the year. Thank you so much for your time and thank you for tuning in to volunteer-powered, listener-supported WFHB Community Radio. You've been listening to the WFHB Local News. Today's headlines were written by Cade Young and Noel Herhusky Schneider in partnership with CATS, Community Access Television Services. Our feature was produced by Noel Herhusky Schneider. Our theme music is provided by Mark Bingham and the Social Climbers. Engineering and executive producer is Cade Young. For WFHB, I'm Todd Wicks. And I'm Benedict Jones. Thanks for supporting Indiana's only volunteer-powered, listener-supported, independent daily news program. You can hear tonight's full broadcast online at WFHB.org. You can be a part of our award-winning news team. For more information about joining our volunteer team of citizen journalists, email news at WFHB.org. And that's the news, whatever it takes. Stay tuned for Planetary Radio, a venture into our solar system and beyond. Coming up next on WFHB. WFHB Local News on WFHB Community Radio. Our news is written and reported by volunteers working to provide local news, cover local issues, and strengthen our local community. We invite you to participate. You may submit questions, comments, and story ideas to news at WFHB.org. You can become a WFHB Local News Volunteer by attending new volunteer orientation. Feel free to check out the WFHB Local News Archive at WFHB.org to find newscasts, individual stories, and catch a live feed of the WFHB Local News. We are local, longer, 